Yo, what is going on, everyone? My name is Nick, or The Notorious Fantasy, and in today's video, we're going to be going in-depth into my week number 11 running back start or sit decisions for the 2023 fantasy football season. Inside today's video, we're going to go from game to game, starting on Thursday night football all the way up until Monday night football, and I'll be telling you guys whether I believe you should start or sit the running backs in all of those games. But before we could get into things, I would like to ask that if you guys are new to the channel and you do end up enjoying today's video, then please make sure to hit that subscribe button down below and while you're down there whether you are new to the channel or not please make sure they do leave a like on today's video it would help me out a ton if you want to follow me on twitter or x please do so at notorious fntsy so without further ado let's get into my week number 11 running back start or sit decisions for the 2023 fantasy football season we begin with an electrifying Thursday night football matchup. Now, I know I called last week's Panthers versus Bears game an electrifying Thursday night football matchup because I thought it was funny. This week, I'm being 100% serious. The Cincinnati Bengals at the Baltimore Ravens feels like the best primetime Thursday night football matchup we'll probably get all year, and it's definitely the best Thursday night football matchup we've had up to this point in the season. The Cincinnati Bengals at the Baltimore Ravens, an AFC North rivalry matchup. Now, we have two teams that are basically polar opposite in the running back situation. The Bengals, things are incredibly clear, crystal clear what you want to do at the running back position. Now, I get that Joe Mixon did cool down a bit last week, but he was still pretty decent up against the Texans. He didn't really bend your team over the table. Now, he didn't have a game where he took your team over the top ropes, Rey Mysterio style, but he still had a decent enough game to where your team wasn't completely screwed. This week, I expect him to be back in the top 12 running back conversation even though the matchup is definitely tough with the Bengals offense really stepping things up as of recently I really do believe that we should all be back aboard the choo-choo the Joe Mixon hype train he has scored a touchdown in three straight weeks and I think he gets his feet wet in the end zone yet again this week against the Ravens now his floor is obviously going to be a bit lower than normal because the Ravens do have a better defense compared to a lot of the defenses that Mixon will face this year but again, Mixon is one of these guys that is really dependent on the team because when the team was struggling, flopping like a fish out of water, Joe Mixon was kind of on the struggle bus. But once the team really picked things up, Mixon's been playing a lot better as of recently. And I have no reason to believe that the Bengals are just going to come out here and completely shit the bed. Even if they don't win this game, they should at least be able to keep things close enough for Joe Mixon to be very heavily involved. Travion Williams is a very clear backup. And to me, he is not even roster worthy in a majority of leagues with Joe Mixon healthy so make sure if you have Travion Williams you probably cut him if you don't have Joe Mixon and now we got the Ravens now the Ravens backfield is definitely a lot more complicated right with Joe Mixon it's cut and dry you start him every single week he's the lead back but Gus Edwards and this Ravens backfield is a little bit more complex now Edwards did lead the team in carries last week as well as snaps with 52% of the snaps compared to Justice Hill's 26% and Keaton Mitchell's 24%. Now, Edwards looked all right last week. Kind of normal to what we expect out of him. He's a guy that'll get 10 to 12 carries, probably won't rush for over 100 yards, but he's going to score a touchdown. He had 24 yards and a touchdown. If the touchdowns keep on coming like they have been over the last four weeks where he's had seven touchdowns in that stretch, to me, you have to roll with Edwards even 
though there are clear reasons as to why you might want to worry. Keith Mitchell looked really, 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 really good last week, and I even noted that in the waiver wire video, he kind of looked like Devin A. Chain. He has that insane burst, but the problem with Mitchell is that the team isn't really committing to him, despite how good he looked two weeks ago last week. He also looked good, but he only had three carries for 34 yards with one reception for 32 yards, and he also scored a touchdown in that game. Now, if you want a high upside option, then go ahead and start Keaton Mitchell. But until he sees more touches, I don't think you can rely on him, even with how good he looked in that game. Justice Hill seems to really be the clear third option on this team, so he is a clear sit for me. Next up, we move to the Sunday slated games. This time, we're not in Germany. No Guten Tag in today's video. We got the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Cleveland Browns, another AFC North Division rivalry matchup. In this spot, we have a Pittsburgh Steelers team that seems to be pretty effective running the ball as of recently. Najee Harris has been a top 14 running back in three of the last four games and has scored a touchdown in three of those games. All of those games, incidentally, where he was a top 14 back, he scored a fucking touchdown. Now, at this point in the season, Najee actually looks somewhat decent. Now, I'm not going to go on my knees and give this guy the Gawk Gawk 9000 special and say he's amazing, but hey, he hasn't been as bad as he looked earlier on. Now, I still strongly believe that Jalen Warren is the better running back on this team, but the team will never actually give Warren the reins of the backfield. This is a rough spot against the Browns, but I still expect him to finish somewhere from running back 20 to 28, which would make him a start worth the running back Jalen Warren just like I said with Najee Harris Warren to me 100% looks better if you throw the goggles on you can watch the game and say hey Jalen Warren probably should be getting more touches than he does last week he had 15 carries for over 100 yards and a touchdown but until the team pulls its head out of its ass and gives Jalen Warren a stronger piece of the pie in this backfield Warren has to be ranked behind Najee Harris they are both in a similar range again probably gonna finish anywhere from running back 20 to 28 because of the matchup against the Browns now maybe somehow they both get loose and somehow they both score two touchdowns but we all know they're probably not catching a touchdown because Kenny Pickett is no bueno, not looking very good this season. So both Najee and Jalen Warren are starts. Again, not super high-end options, but if you're kind of picking through your bench and you need a start, I think both of them are fine. For the Cleveland Browns, Jerome Ford F-150 looked very nice last week. My name is Borat with over 100 yards on 17 rushes in Baltimore. Now, I do not love the matchup here against the Steelers, but... He has very clearly overtook Hunt as the clear lead back, which Hunt kind of snagged from him a little bit when Jerome Ford got banged up. Ford, to me, is in the same range as Najee and Warren due to the matchup. Kareem Hunt, to me, is a sit, like I talked about with Ford. We have seen Ford take it back as the lead back with him more healthy. Hunt may score again like he has in five straight fucking games, but if the yards aren't there, which they really haven't been recently, I doubt he gets more than 12 fantasy points, and against the Ravens, to me, that is a clear reason to sit him. Game number three here, we got the Chicago, Chicago Bears 
Bears at the Detroit Lions. Now, the Lions backfield was a hot topic of conversation last week in the videos because I was someone that really thought that, hey, I know Jameer Gibbs has looked really good, but now that David Montgomery is back, this man is going to retain that hefty workload that he had in the past. And Montgomery returned from that two-week absence last week against the Chargers and was back on that bullshit, back to his old ways because he had 12 carries for 116 yards and a touchdown. On that touchdown, he looked like a version of David Montgomery that I have never seen in my life. He kicked into the nth degree when it looked like he didn't have any more juice left. Like he was running on E, and E doesn't stand for extra fuel, as we learned in Drake and Josh. So it's like, okay, he's going to get tackled. We've seen this a million times. And then he just turns on the Jets, the NOS, and runs into the end zone. It was beautiful. And I expect him to get ramped up even further this week. And this is a revenge game up against the Chicago, Chicago Bears. So Montgomery, you start him. Jameer Gibbs. Now, Gibbs has had three straight games as a top five back. Gibbs definitely performed a lot better than I thought he would last week with Montgomery coming back. But again, I do really believe that Monty is the guy, but with Gibbs still seeing tons of touches, especially in the receiving game, both of these guys could be top five running backs in the same week. It's like Mostert and A-Chain. They can both Eiffel Tower any defense, and up against the Chicago Bears defense, I think that is entirely plausible. For the Bears backfield, Donta Foreman, he's going to be a sit for me, as is Khalil Herbert. Now, I expect Herbert to play this week. If he does, that drops down Foreman in a huge way. Even if Foreman is is still the guy splitting work with Roshan and Herbert is a recipe not of sugar spice and everything nice like you're a Powerpuff girl. It's a recipe for a complete and utter unmitigated disaster in Chicago. This is already an offense that is pretty bad. I don't even give a shit if Justin Fields returns. This is an offense that you kind of want to stay away from. And I still think Forbin will be the leader in the clubhouse even if Herbert returns. But with everyone back to me, this is kind of a duck and cover scenario. Outside of one game this year, Khalil Herbert has been pretty bad. And like I said with Foreman, if these guys are all split in touches, none of them will really end up being start-worthy up against the Lions. Next up, we got the Los Angeles Chargers at the Green Bay Packers. Now, Austin Eckler has been a top-six back in three straight weeks. The Packer run defense is softer than a pair of some double-D tatas, so I think Austin Eckler should be in for a very nice game this week. He has also scored at least one touchdown in the past three games and I think that will easily happen this week last week against the Lions they lose the game but that's a real fun one to watch right one of the funner games of the year it's like the Dolphins versus the Chargers from early on in the year a real high scoring tit for tat rock'em sock'em robots affair Eckler had 19 rushes for 67 yards with four receptions on seven targets for 48 yards and a touchdown I wish some of these times Herbert would throw the ball just slightly better to Eckler because he's like wide open and he just somehow misses him but it is what it is Eckler is a must start running back every single week that could easily be the running back one against the best defenses in the NFL so going up against the Packers Cup cake matchup for Eckler. Joshua Kelly is a sit. Eckler is the clear lead back on this team and Kelly barely touches the ball. So he's a clear sit when Eckler's healthy. And then we even saw this season, even when Eckler was injured, Joshua Kelly was a steaming pile of dog shit. Aaron Jones is a start. Now the Chargers defense is technically, you look at the stats like a fucking nerd, you will see, hey, the Chargers defense is technically good against the run. 
But as long as the Packers are able to keep it close like I think they could, I like Jones in this spot. Now I know he had a down game last week against the Pittsburgh Steelers, but that is something that we could have seen coming. Now again, last week I wasn't saying to duck and cover on Aaron Jones, but I said, hey, we have to understand this is going up against the Steelers defense. Aaron Jones might not have as great of a game as he had the week prior. I expect here up against the Chargers defense at the bare minimum, at least a top 16 performance this week at the very least. So I definitely like this spot for him up against the Chargers. AJ Dillon looked good last week against the Steelers, but I just can't seemingly argue for you to play him. To me, he hasn't looked very good at all this season. And if Jones gets fed the ball, like I believe he will this game, then I don't see AJ Dillon being very useful at all. Next up, we got the Las Vegas Raiders at my Miami Dolphins in Miami Garden. Before we break down the Raiders at the Dolphins, I would like to ask, as well as the rest of the running back, starter sit decisions here with all the rest of the games. I would like to ask that if you guys are new to the channel and you do end up enjoying today's video, that you please make sure to hit that subscribe button down below. And whether you are new to the channel or not, please make sure that you do leave a like on today's video. It would help me out a ton. So for the Raiders, things are pretty cut and dry here, right? Jacobs was a guy that kind of came out the season in a slump. He was a guy that waited a very long time to sign the franchise tag. He wasn't with the team much in the offseason. Josh McDaniels had this team just looking as abysmally bad as possible. Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't really it. And now they've gotten rid of Jimmy Garoppolo and Aiden O'Connell's understander. They get rid of McDaniels. Now they have Pierce as the interim head coach, and things have seemingly gotten better. Now Jacobs has gotten over 25 carries in back-to-back weeks. Now he didn't score last week against the Jumbo Jets, but he still had over 100 rushing yards with 10 receiving yards. Now the Dolphins' run defense over the last couple of years and early on in the season was a two-pack of ass, right? Straight-up dog doo-doo. Just really bad. But I do think the Finns' defense plays a lot better going forward, especially with Jalen Ramsey back and with the system of Vic Fangio's system that he installed earlier on the season starting to click because I guess... You know, you kind of have to figure things outside the system, and it just doesn't work instantly. Like, as a Dolphins fan, I was hoping that it would. Now, I don't love Josh Jacobs this week, but unless you're, like, stacked at running back where you have, like, McCaffrey, Eckler, and ETN on your team, you're probably still going to have to start Josh Jacobs in this spot. Amir Abdullah and Zamir White split the running back two role on this team, so there's really no need to talk about him. You sit him. For the Dolphins here, this is a take that I talked about a decent amount on the live stream on Thursday night football last week and then on Sunday in the morning about how I really do believe that Raheem Mostert is going to be better with Devin two chains, Devin a chain back. Now, Mostert had an alright game prior to the bye up against the Chiefs in Germany. At the end of the game, this man was running hog wild. He was going ballistic, and as the time expired, the Dolphins just decided to go with the pass instead of going with the run that was successful, which is just a... If you said that, you could have said that any game last season. That's what Mike McDaniel does. Right? He's a run game guru, but for some reason, he just loves Tyreek Hill, Tua, and Waddle so much that he just refuses to run in certain situations. And it hasn't been as bad this year, but that was the case in Germany, right? Marheem Mostert has a decent game. But I really do strongly believe that with A-Chain back, it will fully 
unlock Mostert. It's like when Thanos put the final fucking stone into the Infinity Gauntlet. It is a yin and yang situation here in Miami. The Thunder and the Lightning. And against a shit-tier Las Vegas Raiders run defense, I expect Mostert to look very, very good in this spot. Assuming A-Chain plays, if A-Chain doesn't play, you know, they put him on ice for one more week, which I don't think will happen. But say they do, I'm still pretty confident in Mostert, but I really do think him and A-Chain together just work so well. Now, A-Chain is expected to return this week after he missed the last four games with a knee injury and was put on the IR. Prior to that, he had three straight weeks as a top five, top five, top five, shout out Drake, top five at running back. I know. Maybe he could start things slow, right? Maybe it's a just-the-tip, ease-him-in technique coming out the IR with A-Chain, but the upside is so immense. The upside is the Empire State Building, the tallest building in the world, whichever building that is. I think it's some building in Dubai. But hey, I get, you know, they might ease him in, just the tip, like I said, but he might be going in balls deep, balls to the wall, and he might take a deuce on the chest of the Raiders' defense. So A-Chain, Mostert, both must starts for me. Next up, we move to game number six here. A riveting matchup, the New York Football Giants at the left hands up. Who are we? The Commanders? The Washington Commanders. Now, Brian Robinson of the Commanders went absolutely nuclear. 25 kill streak from Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 on Sunday against the Seahawks in Seattle. It was actually pretty crazy to see because normally when we think of Brian Robinson, we think of Brian Robinson as more of a prototypical running back from the past, right? And on the rock, really good running the ball, could maybe catch two passes a game, but his bread and butter is just churning the rock, running in between the tackles, you know, looking good. So he had 38 rushing yards, but what really went well for him was six receptions for 119 yards with a touchdown. Now, if Brian Robinson's going to get four plus targets every single game, then his upside does increase. And this is a great spot this week up against the G-Men defense. Now, I do not believe that he will ball that hard again, right? Be one of the top three running backs on the week, but he certainly has top 12 upside up against a pretty bad Giants defense. Now, when it comes to Antonio Gibson, we talked about Gibson in the waiver wire video, and to me, he is close to being a start. He has played solid in back-to-back weeks as a top 18 back, but he relies very heavily on the four or five targets that he gets, and he needs to bust one of those off for a huge reception and maybe even a touchdown to be good. So for me, he's a sit, but if you wanted to make some type of argument for him, he's kind of a low-end running back. Number three, if I was to rank my top 32 running backs as starts instead of the top 28, Gibson would be much closer to that range. Now, Saquon Barkley did not play well last week against the Cowboys, but that should be a shock to absolutely fucking nobody because... The Cowboys' defense is an impenetrable wall when you're an offense with Tommy fucking DeVito, the Italian stallion, under center. He did everything he could. Saquon tried everything, and it just did not work, right? He tried to have a kid with the girl to to make her stay. Didn't work. Now the kid is fucked, right? Kind of like in a marriage. You know how some people try to save the marriage, you have a kid, and it doesn't work? That's what, like, you know, Saquon was pulling out all the stops. He was trying to do everything, but nothing worked. And that's okay. 
because it was against Dallas. Now, I get Tommy DeVito might just sink the battleship of the Giants, right? It might be a war, it might be a boat with a bunch of holes, and you're just grabbing a bucket of water out trying to save things, and you know it's all going downhill, right? But against the commander's defense, even with the Giants' offense being very, very bad, I still think Saquon will end up as a top 14 back. Matt Burita with Saquon healthy. Burita is useless. He will see five touches maximum, so you do not want to start him. Next up, we move to the Dallas Cowboys at the Carolina Panthers, but before we break down this game in depth at the running back position, as well as all the rest of the games until Monday Night Football, I would like to give guys a quick word for our friends and our sponsor over at Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is the best place to play NFL Pick'em in the whole entire universe, and Underdog has a great offer for you guys today that we'll be talking about in just a couple of seconds, but first, I want to explain how Underdog's Pick'em game works. Now, I'm recording today's video after Monday Night Football. It's early Tuesday morning. It's like 1 a.m. So not all of the pick'em picks are out yet. But for right now, we got the Bengals versus the Ravens in Baltimore on Thursday Night Football. For this game, we're going to have to go ahead and pick a minimum of two players from at least two different teams. So we're going to go with one player from the Bengals, one from the Ravens. We're going to go with Joe Burrow, higher than half an interception. And we're going to go with Lamar Jackson, higher than half an interception. I think the defenses are going to get at least one pick each in this game. And I think that is how this game is going to play out. It's going to be a close, gritty game between two AFC North rivalry teams. So if both of those picks hit, if Joe Burrow and Lamar both throw an interception, then we'll get three times our entry fee. If you do three picks, it is six times, four picks is 10 times, and five picks is 20 times your entry fee. Now, if you're new to Underdog Fantasy and live in one of these states on your screen right now, if you use promo code NOTORIOUS or click on the link in the video description, you will receive a first match deposit bonus of up to $100. If you deposit $100, they give an additional $100. 50 additional 50, 25 additional 25. The minimum deposit on our dog fantasy is $10. If you have a gambling problem, please make sure that you call 1-800-GAMBLER. Back on into things here, Cowboys at Panthers. And I have had it up to here with Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard has been the definition of straight up garbage. You Google straight up ass and a picture of me and Malkova won't show up, it's going to be Tony Pollard's mug because over the last three games, this man hasn't had a single zero top 24 performances. And this motherfucker hasn't scored a touchdown since week number one. Pollard is irrelevant. He is useless on the goal line. You would be better off sending me in there to try to score a touchdown And honestly, if I was the Cowboys, I would just stop giving him touches on the goal line. I get he's not built like a goal line back, right? He's not built like Zeke. He's not a big boy, a thumper, right? Shout out to the Modern Warfare 2. But at the end of the fucking day, you got to get in more than twice this season. And it hasn't been. He scored two touchdowns week one. That's it. That is it. This matchup is amazing. If you told me in week one after how good that that Pollard looked, oh my god, he gets the Panthers in week two, I'd be fucking salivating thinking about, I'd have a wet dream my my sheets would be soiled thinking about how great the spot here is but holy fuck, I just can't be confident at all, I'm still gonna start him right, but at some point it's gonna turn into how many times this guy gonna bend me over a table without me giving him the okay, not using any lube even spit, 
and I just get fucked over every single week. It's really starting to piss me off if I'm really keeping it a buck fifty with you. Rico Dowdle looked very nice last week. He looked really good up against the Giants with uh, 12 rushes for 79 yards and a touchdown. Unlike Pollard, he actually works on the goal line. With that said, though, I still have zero confidence that we'll even get more than like six carries in this game. And even with how good he looked last week, he is just a clear handcuff for Pollard. For the Panthers, Chuba Hubbard, this game might end up being a massacre that you get to watch on television. It's like a fucking gladiator game where they would send back in the Roman Empire. You know, you go to the Colosseum and they put like, you know, the local pedophile into there and like 12 wolves eat them, right? That's our, our lions, probably lions, right? Uh, I'm a history major. I should probably have, uh, gotten that a little bit better or someone who you know robs someone and then 12 lions fucking dick them down you know so hubbard struggled against the bears so do you really think up against the dallas cowboys he's gonna be good the answer would be fuck no baby miles sanders had a grand total of drum roll please negative five rushing yards last week i still can't believe the panthers gave this man that much money it was laughable then it's laughable now he hasn't gotten over 10 fancy points since week three so do not even come randomly close or remotely close to starting him. Next up, we got the Late Titans at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Maybe a huge Derrick Henry game inbound here. Derrick Henry, he's a start now. He did shit the bed last week in Tampa as my biggest fears came to reality. I talk about this all the time, but Derrick Henry is a guy that hinges so heavily on his team being in the game. Now, they don't have to be winning. They just have to be, you know, within poking distance of being in the game, and they'll use Derrick Henry. And I figured Will Levis would be able to keep up with the Bucks, but that was not the case at all, as the whole entire offense was completely limp dick. There was not even a semblance of blood going downstairs, right? And like I said, Henry is a guy that needs the team to be in the game in order to get all of those carries that he needs to be Tractor Cedo Derrick Henry to succeed in this offense. And if they go down, 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 they start using Spears more. Now this matchup is fine, right? We just saw the Jaguars get spit-roasted by the 49ers. But the Titans' offense isn't the 49ers' offense, obviously, to anyone who needed to know that. Now, I'm still starting Derrick Henry, but I do, and I will acknowledge that this matchup could crumble like a cookie, right? This matchup could be like Humpty Dumpty off the wall. Everything could go wrong, and it might go sour quickly. It might not be like, oh, at the end of the game, they can't use Derrick Henry as much, because that would be fine. If they can't use him much late in the game, he probably already did his thing. But if it's like the first quarter, it's 17-0, to zero, you're going into the second quarter, and then Derrick Henry might as well be putting a fucking, a fucking milk carton uh, missing poster wanted because he's not going to be there. So that's just kind of how we have to talk about things now. Tajay Spears, this could be a Spears game if they get down and out and have to use Spears more. But as of right now, I don't actually feel confident enough that that will actually be the case. For the Jaguars, Travis Etienne had his first down game in what feels like a decade. What feels like months against the 49ers last week. Now, you can blame Etienne all you want if you're an Etienne owner, but anyone with half of a brain realizes that, hey, you could just blame it on the offense, blame it on the, uh, 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 alcohol, or blame it on the team as a whole. They were down bad early and got absolutely spanked in this game. This wasn't like a, this wasn't a light spanking. This was like... 
a full-on get out the fucking belt, you know, like when he did something really wrong as a child, you know, you get out the belt and it's bam, bam, bam. That's what the fucking 49ers did to the the Jaguars. You know, it wasn't like one of those, hey, you know, I'm taking the Xbox away. I'm taking your controller away, but we all know Nick knows where the controller is, right? This is, uh, you're about to get fucking slapped up with the belt, and that's what happened to the 49ers. Uh, the 49ers did to the Jaguars. Even against a solid run defense here in Tennessee, though, you just got to rock with ETN. To me, he, he's must-start. Tank Bigsby has just been irrelevant this season. He was a guy that I liked in the offseason because we saw ETN last year struggle on the goal line and catching passes, two things that are very important. Shocker. And then this year, he just came correct with both of them, and now Tank is just irrelevant. He has not seen more than five touches since week numero uno, so there's no reason to start him with how good ETN has been. Next up, we move to the Arizona Cardinals at the Houston Texans. Now, this is an interesting game at the running back position for the Texans, depending on how the health goes of Damian Pierce. First, though, we'll talk about the Cardinals. Very simple here. James Conner, in his return game last week against the Falcons, he got his normal workload, right? 16 carries for 73 yards. Now, obviously, that is not a huge performance, but it is very positive to know that coming off the injury, he isn't just like, oh, we're playing James Conner because we kind of need him. It's like, oh, James Conner is truly healthy there. At least when I was watching the game, my eye test told me, hey, that looks like the James Conner from earlier on in the season. This doesn't look like where James Conner's running and like his hamstring is getting fucked up when he's running or something. And he's having like a leg spasm. He's getting a Charlie horse every time he runs the rock or something. Getting a Charlie horse is one of the worst experiences ever. But I remember back in college, I was going to Rutgers to visit my friends, coming home from Rutgers to visit my friends. And I was in the car with my friend, who was a woman, and we were driving home, and out of nowhere, my leg got into so, it like locked up, I had a trolley horse, I had to like sit up in the car like I was, have you ever been in a car ride, right? And it's like, okay, now to all the females, you don't poop, so this doesn't happen to you, but you gotta take a steaming shit, right? You are... You're, you're tucking it in and then it's like you're getting close to home and you have to like start getting up in the chair you're like half sitting half half like standing driving that's what it felt like and that was like one of the worst pains of my life i get it broken my arm and stuff but i just remember that so distinctly like how embarrassing it was just to be in the car with my friend and my leg was all fucked up like that if anyone's had a bad experience with a charlie horse let me know because that's happened to me so many times where it's just like very unopportune times to get like a um, a Charlie horse. Now, it's never happened to me in the sack, but apparently that does happen to some people. So back on into things, though. Connor looked fully healthy. This week against the Texans, we should see a stronger performance than last week. Connor has been a reliable player all year when healthy, so I don't believe that's really going to change. I'm rolling him out there with confidence. And I also really like how Kyler Murray looked, and that's very positive towards the outlook of James Cook and this offense getting into scoring position. Keontae Ingram with Connor now back. Ingram belongs on the waiver wire. That's all I got to say. Connor is the clear workhorse back on this team. For the Texans, Devin Singletary looked like prime fucking Adrian Peterson on Sunday in Cincinnati. I have, I said this in the waiver wire video, I have never seen Devin Singletary look this good in my entire life. 30 carries, 150 yards. He had five yards per carry and one reception for 11 yards and a touchdown. If Pierce misses, Singletary is start worthy. Knowing damn well, he might be a bust like he normally is because we saw the week prior, I believe that game was against the Falcons. Devin Singletary was given the opportunity, whoever it was against is kind of inconsequential, right? He's given the workload 
and he fails because Damian Pierce isn't there. Even with the majority of the carry. So we've seen this just combust in your face pause before. Now, do I think that is guaranteed to happen against the Cardinals? No. If Pierce plays, I would bench both of them. But if you had to start one of them, right? If Pierce plays, I would lean with Singletary. Damian Pierce has missed the last two weeks with an ankle injury. His availability on Sunday as of right now appears to be unknown. Pierce has been a guy that really took a strong dip off the edge of the earth this season in productivity compared to last year. Last year, Davis Money, Big Neck Mills, Draft Neck Mills, you know, the offense is sucks ass. And he's still playing well. This year, the offense is, is rock hard. They're playing great. And Pierce is like nowhere to be found. He's doing his best John Cena impression. You can't fucking see him. And it's sad. I, I think even if he is back, it's going to be a close split with Singletary making Pierce irrelevant. And I hope I'm wrong. But uh, I think that's going to end up being the case. Next up, we move to game number 10. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the San Francisco 49ers. Now, Rashad with two A's white is a start. Now, White has been a top 12 running back in four straight weeks, as well as having two straight weeks with 20 carries and at least one touchdown. We talk about this every single week. So at this point, if you're someone that watches a lot of my videos, you've heard me, my spiel about Rashad White. It's the same shit, different day, same shit every single week. He is a very matchup dependent running back. This matchup scares me too much to rank him in the top 12 with how good the 49ers defense looked last week. But Rashad has been so consistent, and he has seen enough volume to where I don't expect him to necessarily be at his best, but I think he should finish as like at least like running back 24 at worst. So I think he'll be fine, unless this just becomes a shellacking like the 49ers are world beaters, and then, you know, Rashad White will end up being a bust. But at this point in the season, the defense of the 49ers hasn't looked great, but they did really come correct last week coming out the bye. Um, when it comes to Chase Edmonds, Edmonds saw a few touches last week, but even said, this is still White's backfield, so you, you shouldn't be starting Edmonds. I know I said um before. I try not to say um a lot because I learned a while ago, if you guys are someone that has to like talk every once in a while, if you're maybe you're in college or in high school, I don't you know, the age group here, there are people that watch my videos that are, I would assume, in, in high school, college level, kind of around my age, I'm 24, there's people that are much older as well, but if you're someone that, you know, maybe you're nervous, you have to give a presentation at work or something, if you want to make sure that you don't say, um, I watched like some video on this a while ago, because in my early videos, it was an um fest, you know, I got bad, I was bad with that, but what you want to do, and then we'll get back into things, because again, not everyone's here for like the big best fantasy football breakdown. They're just here to have a fucking fun time, okay? And this is a real interesting tidbit of information that I learned while I was in college um, from one of my classes. I just said um again like a dumbass, but instead of saying um, just pause and think, you know? There's pauses in my videos, so instead of saying um, and then sounded like a bit of a, a dummy, dunce cap, I just pause and then keep going. It's a good way to avoid saying that if anyone wanted to know. So... Again, back on into things. Job White start, Chase Edmonds sit. Christian McCaffrey was unable to break the most games in a row with a touchdown record, and boy, did they try against Jacksonville. They were running up the score. Mono Man Sam's in the game. All the backups are in. They're getting close to the red zone, and McCaffrey's in the game. They're like, they need to get McCaffrey this touchdown, and he doesn't score. But he's was still one of the best running backs in all of fantasy football without scoring a touchdown. He had close to 100 rushing yards and almost 50 receiving yards. To me, 
This guy is still the best running back in the NFL. And up against the Bucs defense, I expect him to be a top three back. And big cock Brock looked back last week. Brock Purdy looked real good. Elijah Mitchell, unless there is some type of injury to CMC, knock on wood, we don't root for injuries, there will be just barely any touches to see for Mitchell with how much of a stranglehold CMC has over this backfield. Game number 11, the New York Jumbo Jets at the no one circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Now you guys know who watch the channel all the time. During the day, you can see I got my fiance painted me a nice Dolphins logo back there. I've got Dan Marino in the background. I'm wearing my devil's hat today because it matches with the red fit, you know. Most of the time wearing Dolphins gear. I'm a Dolphins fan. Watching the Buffalo Bills go down to the Denver Broncos was a beautiful sight. It was so beautiful because on Twitter, now I'm a Twitter warrior. I fucking love Twitter. Follow me at NotoriousFNTSY, but on Twitter all week, Oh my god, the Dolphins can't beat a team over 500. They're fraudulent. They have this cupcake schedule. Well, the Bills can't beat the Patriots, who we beat twice. You can't beat the Broncos, who the Dolphins dropped 70 on, you fraudulent fucks. All right, if you're a Bills fan, I don't dislike you. I, I, I don't. It's just great to see as a Dolphins fan. Like, hey, I'm saying for a while, hey, the window's starting to close on the Super Bowl. No, it's not, Nick, you idiot. We'll see. And I think heads are going to start rolling soon in this coaching staff, whether it's Dorsey or whether it is McDermott. We shall see. So for the Buffalo Bills, James Cook had a solid day on Monday Night Football despite fumbling the ball a gazillion times, and he even recovered one of them. That play was the craziest thing I've ever seen. He's running up the field. The ball gets knocked out of his hands, and it bounces on the ground like a basketball. He just It just goes bing, and it just goes right back into his hand. He runs. It's like, oh, my God, he's going to score a touchdown, right? He had over 100 rushing yards and 11 receiving yards. If the Bills just realized they should run the ball more, it was very clear when they ran the ball at work, they just can't figure it out. They would be golden like Pony Boy. But instead, they just keep putting the ball in Josh's hands, who loves to throw picks. Bad matchup this week, but he should at least be a low-end running back, too, as long as they don't bench him for fumbling the football. Latavius Murray, the team has yet to activate Uncle Leonard Fournette. Latavius looked good on Monday Night Football at nine carries for 68 yards, almost 69 yards. Very nice, I like my name of Borat with a touchdown with two receptions for one receiving yard. But again, this team will never commit to the run enough for you to start Latavius Murray. Brees Hall had a bit of a down game last week up against the Raiders in Viva Las Vegas, but had a touchdown called back going against the Buffalo Bills defense that looks quite bad against the run. I expect Hall to be fed heavily week one against the Buffalo Bills when Rodgers went down. Hall was on a snap restriction, if you remember. Took them some point for Salah to take the leash off of Brees Hall. He had 10 rushes for 127 yards and one reception for 20 yards. Now, in that game, if Brees Hall was fully healthy, that one huge run was probably a touchdown, but he ran out of gas. I like Brees in this spot for a bounce back again. Do I think that the Jets are guaranteed to win this game? No. But I think they might. I think the Bills' demise is coming. Look at the Bills' schedule. If you're a Bills fan, you got to be worried. Got to be worried. And as a Dolphins fan, I'm smiling ear to ear, baby. Let's go Dolphins, baby. Latavius Murray, we already talked about him. Dalvin Cook's the other fellow we got to talk about. Cook continues to see a weird amount of touches every single week, despite him not looking good at all. I know he will probably get like five touches this week, and when Hall's about to score, they just for some reason give it to Dalvin Cook, but there is no way you're starting a man with 3.1 yards per carry. Next up, we got the Seattle Seahawks at the LA Rams. 
Kenneth Walker looked very back last week in Washington with over 120 all-purpose yards and a touchdown, though it is still very scary to think that Charbonnet has now outsnapped him in three straight games. Now, I don't think we'll ever go back to seeing Walker being like this dominant Fifty Shades of Grey style, chains and whips type of running back in terms of snap share, right? I don't think it's going to be like 70-30 in favor of Walker anymore. I think maybe we might be hoping that Walker sees 60%, and that might even be a stretch like Armstrong at this point in the season. But as long as this offense is able to shine, like I think they will against the Rams, that was not the case at week one when the Rams absolutely danced on their grave. I think Kenneth Walker the third will succeed in this one. Charbonnet, even with the snaps, we have yet to see Charbonnet eclipse 10 carries. Now, he did get five targets last week, which might become the new normal, but... You know, as of right now, we really have no reason to believe in him, so he's he's just a stash with upside. Darrell Henderson with Kyron Williams expected to return in Week 12 against Arizona in Arizona. This week, we shall see a double-headed dragon running back approach for the Rams with Henderson and Freeman. Stafford is expected to start this game, so the offense might be slightly better, but maybe Stafford, you know, knock on wood, I'm not rooting for Stafford to get hurt, but maybe he gets knocked out of the game again. That wouldn't really be that crazy. It's kind of been the tale of his season this year and with how good the Seahawks defense can be at times and the greatness that they've shown this season I would stay away from both Rams back backs once Kyron shows back up I'll be throwing him into my lineups though but uh Darrell Henderson Rolls Royce Freeman clear sits for me next up we move to cause you waited all day for Sunday night the Minnesota Vikings and Josh Dobbs the NASA man going up against the Broncos and Mr. Unlimited interesting game kind of now obviously this isn't, like, the best offense in the NFL. It's going to be kind of fun, I would think. Mr. Unlimited versus Joshua Dobbs. Now, Alexander Madison is currently in the concussion protocol for the concussion he suffered on Sunday against the Saints. I am as much of a doctor as Johnny Sins, so I won't be able to tell you if he plays or not. This season, we've seen some guys with concussions come back just a couple days later, like Brock Purdy. Other guys get shut down for multiple weeks. Again, I'm not a doctor. I'm not some brain surgeon. You know, maybe Josh Dobbs could diagnose him or something because that guy's a fucking genius. But I can't, right? I have no idea. Something to monitor all week long. If he plays against the Broncos' run defense, which is no bueno, very, very bad, you start him. If he misses, I am playing Chandler as a okay start. Chandler had 15 rushes for 45 yards and a score. Is Chandler solid? Fuck no, baby. But is he good enough to run a train on a garbage Broncos defense? I think so. If there's no Madison... Fire away with starting Ty Chandler. When it comes to the Denver Broncos, Javante Williams got fed like a fat kid on Thanksgiving on Monday Night Football. 21 carries for 79 yards, as was four receptions for 31 yards and a touchdown. This matchup is not the best against the Vikings as that defense has gotten better as the season has gone along. But I think if we keep seeing Javante get over 20 carries, which he's done in back-to-back weeks, he has top 12 upside in any week, assuming the Broncos offense just shows up a decent amount, right? They don't need to shellack the Viking or the Vikings. They just need to show up and have a decent game. Samaj so P. Ryan made some clutch clutches, clutch clutches, some clutch catches against the Bills on Monday Night Football. But if you really look into things, like you whip out the microscope, P. Ryan had just one carry with three targets. Now McLaughlin is also working in with Williams, and Williams is the workhorse, so you just stay away from the backups in Denver. Final game here, we got Monday Night Football, the Philadelphia Eagles at the Kansas City Chiefs, a Super Bowl rematch. So we got the Eagles and Chiefs on primetime. 
Vikings at Broncos. I know some people are like, Nick, that game sucks. I don't think that game will be that bad. And then, obviously, Thursday Night Football with the Bengals and the Ravens. So, a good, finally, some good primetime games. They'll end up being shit. But, you know, on paper, they look pretty good. Uh, we got Eagles at Chiefs. Now, the Eagles... Coming off the bye, as are the Chiefs. Prior to the bye week against Dallas, we saw the rushing attack of the Eagles just not perform very well with 18 carries for just 43 yards. The only reason why Swift didn't completely bend you over table was because he took his two receptions for 31 yards. I get that Swift hasn't been a top 12 running back in three straight weeks, but you would be absolutely insane in the membrane to assume that coming out the bye week, something won't be fixed. And that Hurts will probably be a little bit more healthy, which will help out the offense more. Swift is a clear must-start running back every single week. Don't galaxy brain yourself into sitting him. The upside is immense here, and Swift could easily be the running back one at the end of the week. We are going to get a whole lot of Donna Kelsey talk in this one. That'll be really, really fun, right, when they pan to her on the sideline with her fucking double jersey. And again, I don't actually hate Donna Kelsey. I don't think anyone really should, but it's like they're going to show her 50,000 times the game and it's going to get me a little bit tilted, just like it did when like they kept showing Taylor Swift on the screen. Kenneth Walker, Kenneth Gainwell, Kenneth Gainwell, I almost called him Kenneth Walker, Kenneth Gainwell uh, found the end zone in his most recent game against the Cowboys. With that said, he seems like a max seven touch type of guy. And even if the Eagles are good, unless he scores a touchdown, he's going to be irrelevant. And I just don't project that to happen on Monday night for the Chiefs. Just like Swift, Pacheco is in a bit of a slump, finishing outside the top 30 in two straight weeks at the running back position. Pacheco is another guy where I wouldn't really panic at all. The outlook this week against a stout Eagles front seven isn't the best. It's not the biggest, but he should still be a top 18 back on the week. I also expect the Chiefs offense to look way better than they did in Germany in the second half and way better than they looked the week prior where they were just flat like Stanley up against the Broncos. They just got shellacked. They got spanked in that game. Jarek McKinnon, just like Gainwell last game out, McKinnon scored a touchdown. McKinnon feels like he's going to have one of those really big games that we're used to with McKinnon every once in a while, eventually, because he hasn't really had one this season, but I really don't see it happening against the Eagles. He has seen four fewer touches in basically every single game of the season, so to me, he is a clear sit. That random game where he goes off is just going to come out of nowhere like an RKO from Randy Orton. Thank you guys all so much for watching. If you did end up enjoying today's video, make sure you guys smash that subscribe button like it owes you money. Make sure you leave a like on today's video as well. It helps me out a ton. If you want to follow me on Twitter or X, please do so at NotoriousFNTSY. If you want to check out my weekly rankings, they'll come out a little bit later in the week as well as the rankings get updated as the week goes on as well as getting answered to any of the questions you guys may have make sure you guys check out the patreon link in the video description for seven dollars and fifty cents a month i love you guys all so much hope you all have a great rest of your guys day and as always good check out one of the videos on your screen if you haven't seen them already good